looking for the puck is Parker. Couldn't play or stop by Cook for a long shot. He scores! Colorado wins the Stanley Cup! Colorado wins! Ewing Group at 4 30. Got a chance for the empty netter! Got it! Sackick will come out to receive it as captain. The Stanley Cup winning Colorado Avalanche. And after 22 years, Raymond Mark! Hello and welcome, Avalanche fans. My name is Adrian Hernandez. I am your host of At Elevation, a podcast brought to you by Mile High Hockey. It is a privilege to be speaking uh, for you folks, and I'm very excited to get this podcast up and rolling once more. I apologize for our hiatus. I promise it won't happen again. Um, it was just something that happened that was kind of out of out of our control, but we have responded, and we are back, baby. So thank you guys so much for tuning in once more. Again, my name is Adrian Hernandez. Um, If you hear something you don't agree with or you do agree with or you want to expound upon something that I mentioned, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. That's at at Elevation Pod, at Elevation Pod. I know it's kind of confusing. It's at at Elevation Pod. But hey, you know, we do we do what we do to make it as confusing as possible here. (laughs) So uh, just a little bit about what what. What you guys can look forward to, um, Tom Hunter and I have been in the background kind of scheming on the best way to do this, and we've decided that we're going to bring you guys new content, a new podcast every Friday. Um, so that way you can kind of look forward to something on a, on, a, on a Friday morning, a Friday afternoon if you're on the East Coast. So um, yeah, tune in every Friday. Um, we're happy to be back, and we hope you guys enjoy what we bring to the table going forward. Speaking of, today's show should be pretty cool. Um, there's some interesting topics that we're going to touch on. I'm also going to get into uh, Scott McDonald's Twitter Tuesday. Um, I think that's a pretty cool thing that he's doing, and I figure I might as well piggyback off his hard work and respond to y'all's tweets as well. So if you want to uh, uh, really, really get on the air here, um, participate in Scott's uh, Twitter Tuesday. You can follow Scott at offscottfree on Twitter, and you can also get a, a get a link to that Twitter Tuesday at our Twitter, which is at Mile High Hockey. So feel free to contribute. We're going to talk a little bit about, we're going to go through a couple of, of what the uh, questions that Scott mentioned um, were, and we will also get into one of Scott's articles that uh, talks a little bit about AJ Greer and uh, his, his resurgence since um the incident back in october where he left the penalty box for a fight so that's pretty juicy and if you haven't already go check out scott's uh article he's got some really sweet quotes and it's a very well very well written article um and then last but not least we're going to do this every episode and it's going to be our talk with tom uh we're going to have the managing editor of mile high hockey tom hunter on and we're going to get into um a little bit of the goaltending questions that people have had um and some other stuff so to stay tuned for that because that's also always a good time talking with tom he's a, he's a good guy and he's got a good hockey head on his shoulders so 
That being said, you get you guys kind of understand what's coming at you now. So I'm going to get right into Twitter Tuesday. If And again, if you don't know what this is, go to our Twitter and go to at uh, offscotfree on Twitter and you will see. Basically, he just wants you to send in the most burning question you have and uh, we will do our best to respond and give you information that you may not um, have already had. So let's get right into it. Um, at CO Proud American asked, why has this team had such issues with divisional opponents, namely Dallas? That is the burning question, if you ask me, because I think when we reach the playoffs, um, it's obvious that the Central Division will be, repre- I think anyway, will re- rep- will more represented than the Pacific. And I think we were more than likely, if we don't secure the first spot, it's pretty much a shoe-in that either Dallas or the Avs will be in the two or three. That may be totally crass. You might think I'm crazy for making that assumption, but that's kind of how I see things ending. And if that's the case, the Avalanche need to really perform well against uh, divisional opponents. I think um, the biggest thing in this in in the struggle against Dallas is they're they're um they're a very defensive oriented team, and I know the St. Louis Blues are very similar and that we've had recent success against the Blues. But if you look historically in the last like three or four years, our success against the Blues isn't so much success at all. So I think it's a kind of a play style thing. I, I don't think it's impossible for the Avalanche's play style to, uh, to beat uh, the more defensive forward play style of a Dallas and St. Louis in the playoffs. I just think in the regular season when there's less... I don't want to say importance because they're all important games, but when there's less weight, when there's less consequence to losing, I think the the uh, transitional offense forward play style can kind of lose a little bit of its pizzazz. There's not as much um, urgency, and and everybody knows that that style really predicates upon how urgent you can play within it. So to me, that's why we have tough a tough problem with the divisional opponents. Um, because I think in the central, it's a heavier. It's a. It's probably one of the heavier divisions in terms of, a str- uh, playing teams with strong forechecks, in terms of playing uh, just bigger bodied squads. I mean, if you remember last year, they had Patrick Maroon, and uh, he's one of the biggest dudes you can you can have on the ice. They've also had Ryan Reeves, so they've definitely had their fair share of big dudes, and I think that plays into their playing style. And uh, but this to me just tells you how important it is to have guys like Nazem Kadri and Nikita Zadorov on the squad for the Colorado Avalanche because when these bigger these bigger teams start throwing their weight around at the, at the big guys who don't 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 get me twisted I know McKinnon, Rantanen and Landeskog are tough dudes but when the weight starts getting thrown into these dudes and the checks are getting finished um we we need to look to the Avalanche. Need to look to people like Kadri and Zadora for a physical response that can kind of send a message. I'm not saying Zadorov's going to hit someone and then all of a sudden St. Louis or Dallas is are going to let up. I'm just saying they need to know that that also comes with a cost and uh, just like anything else in hockey. So I think it's really important that we maintain um, those. We we continue to employ those personalities among our group of extremely skilled and fast, t- 
talent. Um, so that, that would be my answer for the divisional stuff. Let's get into another one here. Uh, Light Through the Veins asked, who gets a bigger contract in the summer of 21, Kelman Carr or Gabriel Landeskog? This is a very good question. This is something that um, I hadn't really considered until you asked, until this was asked on Twitter Tuesday. Just just considering the fact that at that point, um, Gabriel Landeskog will be turning twenty nine. So, if recent history has indicated anything, GMs are probably going to be completely afraid of those long term contracts with. Uh, players like above 27, 28 years old. I imagine this will be Landis Gog's last contract, which means you're either opening a new window for the Landis Gog era in, in the sense of get one for Landy, I think, at this point, or um, he's going to have to, he's going to take a pay cut to, to, to extend his term. I could be totally wrong, but that's just my opinion. I think Makar undoubtedly gets the the larger contract given he's at the beginning of his career and Landis Gog is kind of winding down. Not today, but in 2021, I suppose. Things will be different. Um, so I imagine if you look at the defensive contracts for elite defenders, which Kale Makar is an elite defender, so Joe Sackick packed yourself on the back. Avalanche fans do a little hip and a <laughs> hooray because Makar is the real deal, if you haven't already noticed. Um, that being said, he's going to ask for real money. So we look at some of the defenders around the league that got real money, most notably Eric Carlson from San Jose. He's at a cap hit of $11.5 million. I don't think anyone's going to pay a defender that for another couple of years. So I, fortunately for the Avs, I think we can we can get Makar at a, at a lesser rate. Dowdy's at 11 million. PK Subban is at 9 million AAV. I say we, I say McCarr lands somewhere in between Drew Dowdy and PK. And I think Scott said the same thing, something about like eight years by 10 million. That would make sense. Um, and I think it would be in the Colorado Avalanche best interest. Be interested to see about the trade clauses that come with that contract as well. Usually trade clauses, I find them really interesting because it's a good indication of how that player foresees the next coming, the, the, the years within their contract. Um, if you look, a lot of guys have uh, don't have their no-move clause instated until they're later in their contract, which I think is to protect them from the age, the, uh, the, age, the element of aging. And, uh, but with the younger dudes, when they do no-move clause, to me that's like, okay, these, these, this dude's invested – this guy thinks that there's a chance. And I'm hoping that we get that um, that kind of contract from Kale McCarr. Uh, so, yeah, that was Twitter Tuesday. Like I, like I previously mentioned, if you guys want your tweets to be read here on At Elevation Podcast, feel free to uh, contribute and send Scott your questions on Twitter. That's uh, at scottfree.com at scott free excuse me <laughs> i almost said dot com but uh you can follow him at at off scott free there we go and you can also get in touch with that at mile high hockey so that is that we're gonna get into another scott mcdonald piece we're gonna talk a little bit about aj greer and then we will have tom hunter so 
Let's get right into AJ Greer here. If you don't already know, if you haven't seen the video, back in October, AJ had himself a little incident. I imagine if you watch Avalanche Hockey, you're aware of AJ's play playing style. I, for one, am a huge fan. I know that his play style is um, slowly fading from from the upper levels of hockey, which... Um, and I shouldn't say that like physicality is staying there and that, that, that physical presence, um, is still a part of the game, but it also comes with skill. Now, everyone has got the skill. Now it's not just, you can't just go out there and goon it up any longer, which I think is good for the sport, but I hope that we, it doesn't completely shift. The paradigm doesn't go completely to skill because we still need that physicality. And AJ Greer is one of those guys who plays with the physicality and has some skill. So what happened in Oct- on October 19th was kind of um, a wake-up call, it seems as though, to him. If you haven't seen the video, he left the box to fight um, uh, an admiral in the AHL. And um, subsequently, he got suspended for six games. And uh, if you look at his, his penalty per game, penalty minutes per game over his career, he's at a solid... 1.27 penalty minutes per game in both the NHL and AHL, which is a pretty pretty high mark. But like I said, it seems as though that six game suspension kind of kind of was a wake up call or something. And I don't want to say that because if you look at the if you read the article, which is super well done, uh, Scott actually got some quotes from AJ, and he mentions that you know he hasn't changed his playing style. In fact, he says that he's he's playing a more physical brand of hockey than before the suspension which that's exciting to me because he's also been more successful offensively since the suspension has happened. Um, Since that six-game suspension, he has only amassed 12 penalty minutes in 24 games. Now, that's a huge, huge contrast. 12 minutes in 24 games compared to 1.27 minutes a game. Now, if he can, if he can find himself playing this hard brand of hockey, but doing it the right way, and not getting too emotional, which I understand is a lot to ask of a guy who plays with emotion and a sport that should be played with emotion. I get it. I understand where that. I understand how you could be in that state of mind to leave the box and do do what AJ did. I I don't necessarily condone it, but I definitely understand. Um, that being said, I think if, like I said, if he can, if he can keep this trend going where he uses that physicality, that playing style in all the right ways, we might see AJ Greer in the playoffs. I'm not saying we're going to make room for AJ to call him up, but we all know in the playoffs, things can get a little, a little rough. Guys might need a night off. He might be one of the dudes we, that we call up depending on injuries, knock on wood. I'm not going to say I necessarily don't want that to happen, but I think it's an opportunity that if AJ stays on this path that he will deserve and he will get in years to come. So that's exciting stuff. If Again, if you haven't already, go check out Scott McDonald's piece on AJ Greer. Um, like I said, he's got some pretty sweet quotes in there. And Scott has just been an awesome, awesome resource in terms of AHL. Uh, if you need anything anything Colorado Eagles, he's your guy. 
So that's that. Again, thank you, Scott, for your excellent work. Next week, I think I'm going to have Scott and a couple other people on. I'm going to actually highlight their articles with them on the phone. That way we can get a couple perspectives and you don't have to listen to my voice for 10 minutes straight. (laughs) Alrighty, speaking of not listening to my voice for 10 minutes straight, now it is time for our talk with Tom. Tom Hunter, the managing editor of Mile High Hockey. Tom, thanks so much for coming on the program once more, and thank you for getting my butt into gear so that I could get this uh, podcast rolling again. Um, I'm just going to get right into it because I know you're a man with the, with time constraints with children. So recently, and it's perturbed me, there were two pieces uh, in the Denver Post talking about potential trades for the likes of Carey Price and... Hendrick Lundqvist. Now, I want you to elaborate and tell me what you think about that. I think I think it's a little ridiculous. I think it's silly. Habs Habs fans. I spoke with a couple guys from the Habs SB Nation site, and they're like, "Yeah, Carey Price isn't going anywhere." So that that one was just literally it was, "Hey, the Habs traded for Patrick Waugh, and it worked 15 years ago." It's it's not that simple, and that's literally where that so-called rumor came from. There's really nothing to it. Um, Actually, there's nothing to either of them, apparently, because Lundqvist was the other one, right? I think Chambers mentioned Lundqvist. But he's got a full no-movement clause. He has a lot of interests that are tied into New York City beyond hockey. He's nearing the end of his career. I couldn't even if the even if the Avs were interested in trading for him, which it really I really don't think they would be. But even if he was, he's they he's not gonna waive his no move clause to leave New York, even though they're on they're they're in the rebuild and stuff and they have two young guys. He's a New York guy. He's gonna stay there, he's gonna end his career there. But beyond that, Joe Sackick's not crazy enough to mortgage a whole bunch of the future with the high-end prospects in order to acquire a goalie well past his prime that costs way too much money. Like, it just doesn't make sense. I think Grubauer, we saw what Grubauer did last year. Why isn't he good enough to win a series this year when he was last year? I, I don't understand why why it's so become such a talking point about they need, they absolutely need a proven goalie. What What is Henrik Lundqvist proven that Grubauer hasn't. Yeah, that's that's a good question, um, and I, I I don't I don't really understand the Grubauer grief because the dude has been on and off. He, he clearly hasn't gotten or, or caught his groove yet. We saw what happened when he did last year in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree, and like he he missed a bunch of time when he was out of it, like he was hurt, he missed not just games of practices as well. And that, that goes a lot. Like I, I grew up playing goal, like not never at a close to pro level, but I, I understand the, once you're how, how, how important the mental side of the game is. Like when you miss a bunch of practices and games, it takes you totally out of that rhythm. And you can see that with, he was playing really well right up until he got hurt and started missing time. And, once once he gets that back, and I don't doubt that he will, I think the conversation will go away. Like it, He's a good goalie 
who does, you're right, fits the app system really well. Uh, another thing about that is, like, to that effect is that the reason we don't see many goalie trades is because goalies at the NHL level play, are used to playing behind a certain system. So when you, if you were to take, say you took Carey Price and stuck him on this as team, he's going to have to completely rework a lot of what he does because he doesn't know the defenseman in front of him. He doesn't know the system, what the, how the team is going to set up the breakout. He's a great goalie, so he'd adapt, but goalies need time to settle in. They need time to learn what their defenseman, when the puck goes in the corner, which defenseman is going to deal with the puck which way. So, like, transplanting another goalie in in the middle of the se- season and assuming he's going to fit in behind this as he's any better than Grubauer or Frank Hoos has, then what? I don't know what. I, I just wouldn't expect any different. Yeah, at that point, a goaltender would have to be playing off feel, and then in order for it to be successful, you got to be uh, a Henrik Lundqvist in his prime, a Carey Price in his prime, an Andre Vasilevsky. You're not gonna. You, that's and that's not who we're talking about. We're talking about an aged Henrik Lundqvist, an aging Carey Price. Uh, two goalies that are well beyond their prime. So along with the talks of needing a more solid goaltender in the wake of the surprise firing of Jared Gallant, a bunch of Avalanche fans went to Twitter saying that they don't think that Jared Bednar is a good fit for the Avalanche. I think that's asinine. What about you? I think I agree with you. I think it's just silly. Like It's another, like with the goalie thing, it's another... The team's not winning the way they were earlier in the season. They've fallen down in standings a little bit. So let's have knee-jerk opinions on what what can we, how can we change this as opposed to waiting for the team to regulate itself. <laughs> we the team, the, I think the early start sort of warped the perception of a lot of the fans. Like if you told fans by mid-January the team would be comfortably in third in the central and fighting for top two spots in the division. They'd be happy with that and accept that and think, yeah, that's where we should be this season going towards the playoffs. But the fact that they won so many and were at the top of the Western conference for the beginning, the first, whatever, six weeks or so of the season, I think it sort of warped things now that everything is, come back to earth the shooting percentages say percentages they're back regulating themselves and so they they've fallen back in the standings to about where they should be it's it feels different than it would otherwise if they had been really crappy at the start of the season went on a winning streak and are in the same spot in the standings as they are now i don't think people would be calling for bednar's head or for a new goalie it's just the perception of the order in which they came across the wins they've got it's an up and down season and it, the team's just in the middle of a down right now. Yeah. And it's like, sometimes I feel like the abs play their season in the reverse St. Louis style where they get off to a hot start and then they kind of taper off so that in the last month of the year, they can really hit the grindstone and roll into the playoffs with some momentum. Um, and you even wrote some excellent uh, pieces on just how abnormal the avalanche's uh, six shot success rate was in the beginning of the season during the um, good good part, I should say, of the season, the more successful portion, the more winning portion of the season so far. 
Um, and I bet you, if you look at the metrics now that that has leveled off and you've, you were, you were correct in, um, predicting just that. So what do you think of the, uh, Jared Gallant firing? Do you think it was warranted? Uh, do you think that puts a little bit more heat on the seats of other coaches around the league? Uh, or was that just kind of an anomaly? Uh, I, I don't know. I think it might put, it might make a few other GMs think twice because Jared Gallant's a good coach. He's on like, he took, yeah, he took that, he took that um, expansion team to the Stanley Cup Finals. And sure, there was luck involved, but they were a team of misfits that he brought together and was able to coach into a system that was successful. And they've been successful every year of existence. So he's a good coach. And I think that that was a weird firing because I, I, I just, a lot of people were caught off guard and it makes sense that they'd be caught off guard because he, he it just really doesn't make sense. Kel, Kelly McCrimmon, the GM in Vegas is one of probably one of the best scouts, talent evaluators there is. He's from the WHL. He's has a long reputation of being great at scouting junior kids, but if this was his idea and not ownership or something, then this shows a flaw in his GM abilities because I really don't get it. Pete DeBoer is not nearly the coach that Gallant is. So the fact that Gallant's on the market, like maybe someone who else, someone else is struggling. Like, I don't know. I was going to say Montreal, but Gallant doesn't speak French. So I don't think <laughs> they can't, they need for some reason, they're still sticking to that, that you have to speak French to coach with Canadians. <laughs> Thing. I don't understand. Gerard Gallant has a French-Canadian name, but he's from PEI. He's a Maritimer. He doesn't speak French. He's not a French-Canadian, so it so he wouldn't fit in there. The second he was fired, I saw everybody on Twitter was like, oh, the Habs should hire him. Gerard Gallant, another French-Canadian, but he's not. And so, yeah. but like, <laughs> there are a few other teams that would be like Dallas. Dallas has right. fired their coach, and they have an interim still. Um, different circumstances why they fired him. Like they might be good to hire him. Someone, other teams that are struggling, might think twice now. Like, oh, I was going to keep the coach around, but if Gerard Gallant's on the market, maybe this is an improve. This is our chance to improve the coaching. Um, that said, I don't think that's something Joe Sakic would think because Jared Bednar's a good coach. Yeah, he's not. He, I think, I honestly think he's one of the more underappreciated coaches in the NHL. Um, maybe because of where he coaches, maybe because Nathan McKinnon gets all the headlines and that's outside of Denver. Everybody knows the Avs. It's Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon, and they overlook the fact that they have a really good young coach. Um, so I think that Gallant will get a job somewhere. I it won't be. I I'd be shocked if it was Colorado or if anyone else ended up in Colorado other than Bednar, really. Yeah, and I, I think it's true what they say that every GM has his coach. And despite the unforeseen circumstances of Patrick Wall leaving, I do think Bednar is Sackick's coach, or at least the style of coach that Sackick wants to suit the personnel that the Avalanche have now. And I bet if you asked Keith in Toronto or told Keith in Toronto, hey, in your first season, you're going to go to the Stanley Cup final, you're going to lose. And your second season, you're going to go back to the playoffs. You're going to get bounced on a questionable double major um, and and four unanswered goals from uh, the San Jose Sharks. 
And then in your third year, you're going to have a very, very promising team, but you're going to be fired. I don't think that that is a tenure that really leads to being canned. What do you think? No, it's weird because, and Gallant, like, Gallant was fired under weird circumstances in Florida, too. So yep. maybe there's something more there. Maybe he's a guy that's hard for GMs to get along with or something or players to get along with. I don't know. There could be something there that we don't know about because just the circumstances, this is twice now that it's just weird how he was fired and how quickly it happened and stuff. But if there isn't something crazy like that, it, it just doesn't make sense because he is on the ice. He's a very good coach. And I suspect, like you brought up the Leafs, Jared Gallant will get a job somewhere before Mike Babcock does. Exactly. Um, so, like, it, it is weird. It, it is a it was a it was a pretty big surprise, though. Now, Vegas is probably going to like Vegas is in a really bad. The Pacific's a really bad division, and Vegas was they're the reverse of the Abs before. Like they're getting bad puck luck. Like Mark Andre Fleury is not playing well. Their shooting percentage is low for some of their top guys is a lot lower than it has been. So it's it's only a matter of time. They're out playing teams. They're going to start winning now, and everybody's going to be like, oh, see, they fired the coach, and now they're yeah. winning again. When you can kind of, pre- even whether they fire Gallant or not, you can kind of predict this is a team that's been playing better than their record suggests, and it's only a matter of time, whoever the coach is, before they start winning some games, especially in that Pacific, because other than Arizona, that division's an absolute disaster. Yeah, and this is going to make me sound way smarter than I actually am. But I, I felt that kind of sensation about the St. Louis Blues last year in that that they were much better than they were playing. That's how I feel about uh, the Vegas Knights. The reason I felt that about the Blues is because like even when the or even when the Blues were in the bottom of the Western Conference, the Avs had only beat them once. So they've always kind of given the Avs a tough go. And I think when you play against your rival, it brings out the best in you. So I think like St. Louis last year, Vegas has all of the tools, all of the potential to to be in the same position that they were last the last two in making a strong push for the cup. I think it just kind of comes down to um just like it did with St. Louis and Bennington coming in. It comes down to Flurry. If Mark Andre Flurry can find his game again, um I I like I said I don't I don't see Vegas um uh, taking any steps back. They have a top 6 that rivals any in the West. So uh, they have the scoring talent. I, I like I said. I, I think that they they are in good hands. I don't quite understand why they let go of Gallant. Yeah, oh. it, it, it's funny how coaches get fired, and then you just have to look at the goalie's stat save percentage, and he, and he, you can sort of see why. In the case of good coaches, there's the saying: "Show, show me the coach of the the Jack Adams Trophy goes to the coach with the best goalie that season." Like. The goal, like you said earlier, Mark Andre Fleury plays like crap. The team loses a few games, even though they're outplaying their opponents. Coach gets fired. It just—it's just that's how it works. Now, right now, Grubauer's not playing that well. People want a new goalie, and oh, maybe they should fire the coach too. <laughs> when goalies play bad, a lot of the times, coaches end up being the fall guy because I guess it's a lot easier to. Coaches have less of an impact than a goalie does, and it's a lot easier to replace it and expect different results with a coach i guess yeah that's that sounds like a little bit of uh cutting off your nose to spite your face as my father would say 
<laughs> so, uh, moving on from that topic, I I saw something pop up in uh, in my Twitter feed about the SB Nation fan polls. Tell me a little bit about what exactly the fan that fan SB Nation fan polls is and how uh, fans can participate. Um, that's just uh, it's a new initiative through SB Nation. It's Mile High Hockey, and we're working with all the other um, team sites. I think it's run through SB Nation's NHL team, and it's it's just a way to interact with to see see how the different fan bases see the league. Like as much as everybody, like you 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 all cheer, everybody cheers for a team. We follow one, two, maybe some people follow a handful of teams closely, but no matter what, you don't have a full grasp on every team that's going on a league. Nobody has that much time. So Fan Pulse is just, it's a new service they have that is, um, you sign up for it, they'll email you a, once a week, they'll just send you an email with like a poll like you'd find on NHL.com or whatever, like who, coming up there are going to be some award ones, like who should win the Hart Trophy, who should win Coach of the Year, stuff like that. You fill it out and you see how how Avalanche fans view the league compared to say Nashville fans or gotcha. Tampa fans, whatever. And so I, I, uh, I put up a post on my hockey yesterday talking about it to get um, avalanche fans in there because it will be going out to all NHL fans, these poll results. And when we know what happens when East coast people, um, I live in Toronto, so I guess I can't really talk again. <laughs> East coast people, and even though people say East Toronto isn't on the East Coast, we're in the yeah. time zone, but we're not on the East Coast. But when when East Coast people have an un, un, um, have more votes, like Nathan McKinnon gets robbed of a heart trophy, like right. uh, from by Taylor Hall, like Nathan McKinnon should have won two years ago. Everybody For knows sure. it, but because so many reporters on the East Coast see Taylor Hall all the time, they don't follow the Western teams. It's just. This fan pulse, I'm trying to get Avalanche fans to sign up for it just so that there are Avalanche fans involved. There are Avalanche fan, the Avalanche fans' voice is heard, and it's not just a ton of Habs fans warping the <laughs> polls and articles that are going to go out. And so it looks yeah. like, so the league opinion just looks all wonky. The more Avs right. fans we get signing up, the better. Well, there you go, Avs fans. So head on over to Mile High Hockey or SB Nation. Get yourself on that fan pulse mailing list so that you can get a poll sent to you. You can participate and you can be heard. Tom, thank you again, man, so much for coming on the program. We will be doing this with you every Friday. We will have a talk with Tom every Friday, and I'm excited for it. Uh, thanks again, buddy. <laughs> no problem at all. That was the managing editor of Mile High Hockey himself, Mr. Tom Hunter, in his first but not last talk with Tom. My name is Adrian Hernandez. I will be signing off. Thank you guys so much for listening once more. Uh, tune in every Friday. We will get into that week's Twitter Tuesday. We will have our talk with Tom, and uh, I'll be having on some more of our contributors to elaborate a little bit more on some of the excellent work that they have provided. Uh, once more, if you want to uh, contribute to that Twitter Tuesday, follow Scott McDonald at Off Scott Free 
and follow us at Mile High Hockey. If you heard something in this podcast that you did not like or something that you really liked or you just want to tell me that my voice is funny, feel free to tweet the podcast itself. And that's at at Elevation Pod at at Elevation Pod. Again, my name is Adrian Hernandez. Until next time, Avalanche fans, thanks so much.